0: Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thrizer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, welcome to session 103 of Selling the Couch. Hope you are having a wonderful start to year 2017. I don't even know where 2016 went, but... I'm grateful for 2016. It's been an amazing journey, especially with Selling the Couch and jumping back into private practice. I'm excited to see where 2017 leads each of you and where Selling the Couch will go. We've got uh, quite a few stuff, including some pretty big announcements coming up, so be sure to tune in to future episodes. So today's podcast is with Perry Rosenbloom. Perry is the founder of Brighter Vision. Perry and I have gotten to know each other here over the past year, almost a year and a half, and Perry's just one of the most kind and thoughtful people that I've really met. And when I think of Perry, I just think about how much he wants to help us create private practice websites that are really effective. And I've been wanting to do this podcast interview for a while because Perry's team over at Brighter Vision, they've literally created thousands of websites for colleagues all around the country and all around the world that are in private practice. And I was like, man, I bet he has a lot of wisdom to share. And so we are talking all about private practice websites, what's working and what's not working. More specifically, we're covering a number of different things. The first thing is just thinking about the private practice website. Why is a private practice website so important? What are some of the essential pages that you should have on a private practice website? I think one of the tips that Perry shares with you, this will surprise you because truth be told, as I'm developing my private practice website right now, I knew this abstractly to do this, but I just didn't think it through. And the way that he talked about it, I was like, oh, that's how I need to do it. So uh, looking forward to hearing what you have your perspective on it as well. And then we're going into the actual homepage of the private practice website. What should that look like in terms of images and what kind of wording and all sorts of things should you put on your website? And then we're wrapping up where Perry takes kind of a a big picture look at all of the websites they've created and just shares four tips to get our private practice websites running effectively and helping them to connect with those who we want to serve. So here is my conversation with Perry Rosenblum
1: from Brighter Vision.
0: Hi, Perry. Welcome to Selling the
1: Couch. Thank you so much, Melvin. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: You know, it's been nice. I always like look forward to conversations like this with folks that I've gotten to know. And I'm just looking forward to it on that level for sure.
1: Absolutely. Me too. We're going to be able to have a great show today, provide a lot of great value and really excited to be able to have sort of our back and forth discussion about you know websites and things that clinicians can be doing to help improve their private practice website.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like the idea of the website can intimidate a lot of clinicians and a lot of us feel really stuck. So let's just jump right into it. Well, let me even take a step back, but why is something like a website so important in this day and age?
1: Absolutely. So we have a lot of people who've come to us and will say, you know, why do I need a website? I have a psychology today profile. All of my businesses via word of mouth. I don't need a website to counter that. It's just like, oh man, no, no, no. You don't understand. You don't know about the business you're not getting because you don't have a website. A website is the epicenter of all of your marketing in this day and age. Back, you know, 20 years ago, you hung your shingle up, and then you had to take out ads in the yellow pages. Every single person took out ads in the yellow pages. But today, instead of the yellow pages, it's a website. You're building a website. You're taking an ad out online for your website. And you know, even if all your business is word of mouth, you have a Psychology Today profile. Still, what they're going to do is Google you. If somebody refers you to a friend, and they're going to Google you. And if all they find is Psychology Today profile, you know, that's all well and good. But, you know, people don't really take businesses seriously if they don't have a website in this day and age. And so, you know, your website is your way to communicate who you are, to craft your brand, to craft your image. It's the really the number one thing you have control over on the internet. And so it's so crucial to getting your message out there, among so many other things.
0: Yeah, no, I think all of what you said is there's such good points. The other thing is, just in general, I think folks have lots of options, right, when it comes to clinicians. And I know for me, one of the things that I used to just assume was, you know, as soon as somebody looked at a profile, they were like ready to make that call. But the reality, there's that time period where folks are thinking about whether we as clinicians are good fits for them. And something like a website helps to build that trust and rapport.
1: Absolutely. And you know, when people come to your website, they might Google you, they're not going to contact you right away. And so a website allows you to have this interaction with people who eventually might become clients of yours and to communicate who you are and serves as a vehicle to get them to know, like, and trust you. People do business with those people that they know, like, and trust, and your website is your vehicle for that. You know, you can capture email addresses through a variety of techniques to provide more value to them. You can be blogging. You can integrate social media onto your website to build that rapport. To make yourself feel more familiar to this person. So, when they are ready to contact you and are ready to begin therapy, you know, the first time someone does a Google search for, you know, play therapy Boulder, for example, they're not generally ready for their child to begin therapy. Or if they're searching for themselves and a spouse, they're not ready for that. They need to do those searches a number of times and build that trust factor up with the person that they eventually are going to be confiding some pretty important things into.
0: Yeah, I think when you explain it in that way, like it makes a lot of sense. I wanted to dive a little deeper into the actual website. So just thinking about, you know, all the websites that you guys have created in general, what would you say are the most essential pages that should be on a website? And feel free to explain what, like a, what a page is and how we're describing that.
1: Sure. Yeah. So a page is just essentially just a static piece of content on your website. Sure, you can update it over time. You can change some language on it, but more or less it's static. What it's communicating is not going to change three months from now, generally speaking. So that's what a page is as opposed to, you know, a blog post, which is more of a time sensitive kind of article that you're writing on your website or is more geared towards social sharing. The easy answer to that question would be, you know, your homepage and your about page. But I'm going to take that, you know, brush those aside because every single person should obviously have a homepage on their website. That's, you know, the first page someone arrives onto. And they should also have an about page because your about page is who you communicate, who you are, and how you work and what your credentials are. So let's push those aside because everybody should have those. I'd love to chat instead about the essential pages people should have on their website that they typically don't have on their website. And that is a page specific for each individual type of service you offer. So a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll have a services page where they can chat about, you know, the various services that they offer. You know, one page will encompass that you do, you know, counseling for depression, counseling for self-confidence, counseling for, you know, if you're in a life transition. However, the problem with that is you're only giving yourself one opportunity to rank well. Whereas if you had a page specific to each of those individual services, you're giving yourself many more opportunities to rank well. And what I mean by rank well is to you know, appear high in Google. It improves your SEO or your search engine optimization far more. So if you focus on you know, depression counseling, self-confidence counseling, and transitions counseling, instead of having that all lumped onto one page, you could have like a paragraph about each one, but then link that to specific pages about depression counseling and about self-confidence counseling and about transitions counseling. And then speak to your target client on those pages. So if you're focusing on depression counseling, you know, speak to them. Don't use I language, use you language. How are you feeling? Are you feeling, you know, hopeless and isolated? Talk about how you can help them. What that's going to do is it's going to make a page specific to depression counseling be very relevant in the search engines. So what that means is that then you can rank well I and mean, it improves your overall likelihood for ranking well in Google and Bing. So that's what I would say is the are the most important pages that people don't think of that they should have on their website, which are specific pages about each individual service that you offer or each different modality of therapy that you offer.
0: Right. So even if it's like individual counseling, within that, like either the diagnoses you serve, the populations you serve, the conditions or the issues that you serve, that's the better route to go.
1: Exactly. One hundred percent. The You know, you can have one services page that's sort of broad focused on your services, but then you want to really narrow down and dive deep into the specific types of counseling you offer for various issues and how you can help your potential client who's on your website. That's going to really improve the overall likelihood that you can rank well in Google and Bing, and it will also help drive traffic and drive your visitors to specific pages that are relevant to them and increase the likelihood of them actually contacting you for therapy.
0: Right, so a couple of different thoughts. One is that I think a lot of times we just assume that everybody comes through the homepage of our website, whereas the reality is folks are Googling and searching for all sorts of different things. And so we really want to see our website as multiple parts and that people can come from different pages within our website.
1: Absolutely, and you know, people will arrive on your website through your homepage. But generally speaking, what we have seen are the number of people who actually contact the clinician arrive on a page other than their home page. It's what's called these long tail searches. You know, ranking for therapist Boulder Colorado or therapist Philadelphia really is not that important overall. What's more important is ranking for couples counseling Boulder Colorado or LGBTQ counseling Philadelphia because those people who are making those searches are much more specific to the kinds of services you offer. They know what they're searching for, and they're more likely to contact you as a result. Someone lands on your homepage, you know, there's still a good chance that you can convert them and get them to contact you, but they're not going to, generally speaking, they're not going to be as valuable as somebody who lands on an interior services page.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So, I mean, we were talking about this right before, but, you know, I'm in the process of setting up my private practice website and, you know, I'm working specifically with entrepreneurs and I know that two of the biggest things entrepreneurs struggle with is like the fear of failure and then the tendency to like want to compare themselves to others. And then that kind of makes them feel like less than, right? About the work they're doing. Mm -hmm. So instead of just having an individual therapy page, which is actually what I have right now what I should probably have is two pages. So counseling for something around like counseling for the fear of failure or something like that, right?
1: Absolutely. And you know, also imposter syndrome. I know that's a common thing that successful entrepreneurs can feel. So you know, definitely taking that approach would be really valuable for you. But then what you can also do is you can write blog posts, you know, about is Donald Trump feeling imposter syndrome right now being elected president? Or you can write timely blog posts related to what is going on in current events that are related to the types of therapy you provide and put that on your blog. So that way you're able to, you know, have the best of both worlds there.
0: Right. You also alluded to something which I wanted to kind of just make sure was true. So you also want to link to content within your website, right? Like on one page to another?
1: Exactly. There's this terminology called clicky. You know, people are clicky. They want things to click on. It's common user behavior. Unfortunately, all that work you put into your content, people are really just going to be skimming it. You know, put that work in because the people who are really invested in in contacting you, they'll probably read it. And if it connects with them, they're more likely to contact you. But if you can give opportunities for people to click through to other areas on your website, you always want to do that. So, you know, going back to the previous example, If you're focusing on self-confidence counseling, transitions counseling, and depression counseling, you know, write a services page and write a paragraph about depressions counseling. And then you can say, if you're seeking depression counseling in my location, click here to learn more. That way it takes them to that depression counseling page and they can dive deeper into that. And that also helps you with your SEO as well through internal linking.
0: Nice. So having services pages, any other kind of essential pages that you recommend clinicians have or that clinicians tend to miss out on?
1: The one that I see that clinicians tend to miss out on are specific services pages. And then, you know, the other thing that we typically, you know, you have your homepage, you have your about page, you obviously want a contact page. The things that we see clinicians typically miss out on outside of, you know, those services pages is more the opportunity for people to contact you. So, you know, you want no matter what device somebody is on to have your contact information front and center on every single page, make it really easy for people to contact you, you know, make it easy for them to call you, to email you, to fill out a contact form. The easier you can make it for somebody, the greater the likelihood of them actually contacting you.
0: I want to go back to that homepage. And I've always just been curious about like when people get to a traditional homepage, what makes them Click, what makes them sign up for email lists, what makes them schedule consults. So, in thinking about all the websites that you've seen, what should the homepage generally look like? You know, I know that it can vary definitely between, you know, clinical
1: focus and all of those things. Certainly. So, before we dive into that, I want to dispel a myth. Very often, there's a sense that's been going around with all sorts of service oriented industries that people don't scroll. You want your website to make it so that people can read and digest content really easily above the fold, which means without having to scroll. And there have been numerous studies done that completely disprove that. People, in fact, scroll far more in this day and age than they did five years ago. And the reason for that is that user behavior due to our devices, such as you know our iPhones and our iPads and everything, people are used to scrolling up and down. And so you actually generally want a homepage that encourages somebody to scroll. That's the first thing. In terms of your homepage now, in terms of aesthetics, things that we think work really well, first and foremost, your contact information front and center. Your email address, your phone number, at the top, every page, no matter what device you're on. The other things that we like to see on a homepage are either an image slider or a static image. And these image sliders sort of get a bed rap. I think it sort of goes back to the myth that people don't scroll. What an image slider can do, or even just a static image at the top of your website, is it conveys an emotion. It conveys a feeling. You know, you don't just want just an image with some boring text that fades in over it or that's distracting. But if you choose an image where the colors and the emotions that that image evokes and pair it with you know, a really well-designed text overlay on top of it that is designed in Photoshop or on Canva, something that really speaks to your target audience and conveys a feeling and an emotion. What that does is it creates a sense on your website of who you are and it helps create your brand. So you know, a common one that I really love, one of our clients, Lourdes Viado, has this beautiful image on the front of her website that is a foggy woods with red leaves on the floor of the forest and these big tall trees and this fog just goes on forever and eventually has this really nice blue aesthetic that dissipates into. And then her tagline is, helping you find the light in the dark. And that image, as soon as you arrive on her website and her logo is front and center and who she is is front and center, it says, hey, if you're lost in these woods, I'm here at the center to help you. I'm here to help you get through this. If you're feeling lost, if you're feeling like you're enveloped in fog and in darkness, here's this light. I'm going to help you through it. And so having a carefully chosen image or images with carefully chosen and well-designed text overlays on an image is something that we have found is really crucial in developing an effective website for our clients.
0: So you have the text or, or you have the either the slider or the static image on the top, and the slider is just those images that kind of rotate out, Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and so those images, you know, if you choose the appropriate color scheme and the appropriate images, and choose some nice quotes to be overlaid on top of them, it can help create a sense of who you are and who your image and who your brand is, and convey an emotion to the person who's arriving on your website to become your client and how you want them to interact with your website and who you are as a clinician.
0: So this is, and not at all to put you on the spot, but so like in that example of Lourdes, there's sort of the dark forest. Have you found images that have more of a negative emotional reaction versus a positive? Have you found any differences between those?
1: We don't have any, you know, real scientific data on that. All I can say is, from you know, the thousand plus websites I've seen that we've developed, whether you have an uplifting photo or a darker photo, it's more just what kind of brand you want to portray and the types of clients you want to attract and who you're working with and the types of who they're searching for. Going back, the Lord is here, you know, she's an MFT. She does individual therapy. She has a podcast on the Women in Depth podcast is what it's called. And what she does is it speaks to that type of audience. I do think that instead of a blanket statement of uplifting or depressing photos work better, I think it's just more the aesthetic that you're trying to create. I personally am more attracted to the websites that we build that have more of an abstract image selection. But that's just my personal taste. We do have, you know, I'm thinking of a website right now that I remember I showed my wife a while ago and she was like, this website is the best website think you guys have ever built. I love this. And I couldn't understand why. And so I asked her, like, what is it that you love about it? And I'm trying to pull this up right now. It's parkfamilytherapy.com or julielavin.com, and her target audience is working specifically with young adult professional women. And every single image on the website on this home slider, the first three images are young adult professional women looking directly at you. The text on top is, be a better version of you. And the image of the woman is on the right side and the text is on the left side. The next image, the woman is on the left side, but the text is on the right side. And then it's counseling, the text says counseling and coaching focused on, and then the next slide, young adult professional women. So it's telling a story and it's creating this cohesiveness around the site and around the theme. And again, it's a young professional woman who's on her cell phone, dressed in a nice pantsuit, looking directly at you, the audience. And the final image is a photo of a mother and her son and a cat just smiling and laughing at each other. And the text is "Let's connect today." So it tells a story. It creates an aesthetic. It, it speaks to the target audience. And then, you know, the font throughout the website—it's playful. It's handwritten. The titles are in like a handwritten kind of font that sort of feels like it's, you know, notes a mom might write in in a hurried manner when you know she's trying to get out the door with her two kids. So it's all about creating an aesthetic and telling a story. And so, if you have images that are uplifting. I don't want to use the word depressing because I don't think that's appropriate, or abstract or images of people. It's not about you so much, but much more so who you want to work with. And you need images that are going to connect and resonate with the types of people that you as a clinician want to work with.
0: So you've got those images on the top of the home page. And then underneath, as people scroll down, right, we want to give them content. So how do you generally Absolutely. structure it? Do you like a brief kind of story or do you do links to various blog posts or how do you generally structure it? You,
1: you know, from there it really depends on our client's choice. We have about, you know, seven or eight different themes that we offer and each one has a different structure overall and we can play with the structure to make it work with the way they want it to work. But generally speaking, you know, you have the top, you have your logo, You have some call to actions like request an appointment, your phone number, your email address. You have a navigation bar below that. This is just generally speaking. Then you have an image or image slider, and then you have text that we do have pre-written content that our clients use, but if they have their own content, it's always preferable for a number of reasons. Specifically, you're able to connect with your target audience even more. And then typically below that text, either below or above, I think it's better below personally. More call to actions. And what I mean by a call to action is, you know, what is it that you want someone to do? Someone reads through that content, you need to give them a place to go and you need to give them something to do. So we like using image and text call to actions paired together, whether that's in a circle or a square or a rectangle, where it can say, you know, an image of a person running saying getting started, an image of, you know, a pen and paper saying contact, and that takes you to the contact page. You know, you want images down there along with text because images are much more likely to be clicked on than just text alone to direct people to specific pages on your website where you want them to go. And then below that can be more contact information, could be your office, you know, always just giving people the opportunity to click and or contact you. And That's generally how we like to structure our themes as we're building them and creating them to make sure that they work for our clients and, you know, maximize their opportunity to have people contact them.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's such a great point. I wanted to wrap up by asking this question, which is just thinking about all of the websites that Brighter Vision has created, what would you say are like the three biggest pearls of wisdom that you would share in creating a website?
1: Sure. First, a website is never done. A website is a living, breathing creature, essentially. Who you're working with might change Your business name might change, your office might change, how you want to present yourself might change. And so you need to be open to that change and understand that it's never going to be perfect. You know, a mentality that I like to approach with business and in life is ready, fire, aim. So if whether you're building a website yourself, whether you're working with Brighter Vision, whether you've hired an individual freelancer, the most important thing is just to get something up there. Get your website looking really great. Get it up there. And let it sit for a while and focus on some other things with your business. Because a website is crucial. It's not the end-all be-all. And just because you have a website doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to be getting this huge influx of business. You need to be doing other things to market yourself. You need to be doing other things to, you know, in your business, whether it's accounting or, you know, paperwork, writing your notes, seeing clients, you know, get your website up and running. So that's the first thing, the first major pearl of wisdom I'd offer the second pearl of wisdom would be fall in line with that, but don't sweat the small stuff. If a spacing is not the way you want it to be, try your best to get it the way you can get it, and then sort of move on. We're always going to be the strongest critics of ourselves. These little details, while they're important, are not going to make or break your business. What will make or break your business is not treating your business like a business. So get out there, network, market. If you're More of an introvert, maybe hire a company to help you do some pay per click advertising. If you prefer getting out there and being more of an extrovert, you know, go network with people, go out and network with doctors, take them out to lunch, take them out to coffee, you know, people who will send clients to you and you can refer back and forth. That would be number two. And number three, don't believe everything that you've read or seen online. You know, there's a lot of people out there who want to be experts. It doesn't take much to provide advice to people these days. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their opinion. And you know, I'm telling you my opinion. And you know, for people listening out there, be critical of it. I'm taking what I've learned from the last two and a half, three years of building brighter vision and the thousand plus websites we've built and giving you my opinion on what I've seen. But be critical of it. You know, Do your own research and figure out what you think is going to work best for your business and for your website. And I guess sort of a fourth one, and I know I've mentioned this a few times, make sure that you have your contact information everywhere. Put your phone number, make sure it's clickable. Make sure your email address is clickable. You know, if you're doing it yourself or you're working with a freelance web developer, make sure they put the code in to make an email address clickable. So that would sort of be my number four pearl of wisdom.
0: And this is something I was thinking about, but I keep forgetting to do this, which is putting the contact information on every page because... I'm just making the assumption that if someone's interested in wanting to do counseling with me, they're going to go back to the homepage, but the reality (laughs) is whatever page they're on, right? Like whatever's more convenient, especially if you think about that, a lot more folks are on smartphones and things. It's a lot easier just to be on a page and click through as opposed to trying to go back and all
1: those things. Yeah. And along those lines, don't make it difficult to find, you know, don't make it so that someone has to hunt for your contact information, put it in your footer put it in your sidebar put it in by footer i mean the bottom area your sidebar is on the side of internal pages typically put it at the top of every page put it in your content put it at the bottom of each article you write put it everywhere that you possibly can yeah
0: it's such great tips perry thank you so much for doing this where are some of the best ways that folks can get in touch with you
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So people can always come on over to brightervision.com and reach out to us there. To anybody listening to the podcast say we'd love to offer you one month free with brighter vision. See what we can do for you. You can sign up with us. We won't charge your credit card to give you a one month trial. Let you see the website we build for you. And if you like it, awesome. You'll see the value that we can provide. And if you don't, you know, no harm, no foul. We love the work that we're doing here. You know, a really strong young company here having a lot of fun and and helping, you know, clinicians across the country really grow their practices. So brightervision.com. I think you'll have a link to our landing page. Is it
0: SellingTheCouch.com forward slash brightervision and that'll uh There we go. Yeah, that'll uh activate that one month free code as well.
1: Perfect. Yeah. So come on over, drop us a line. And yeah, thank you again, Melvin, so much for having me on the show today. I love all the work you're doing, love the selling the couch community and so so honored to be able to you know spend this thirty minutes chatting with you. And hopefully people found a lot of value out of this today. Yeah. yeah, Thanks again.
0: No, you're so welcome. Yeah, it was definitely action packed. I've got a bunch of tweaks now I need to make (laughs) on my website.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, you know, if you need any help with it, Melvin, we're happy to help you too. (laughs)
0: Sounds great. Thank you, Perry. All right. Thank you. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Perry and I hope that it helps you and motivates you to think about your private practice website in a different way, And also, I hope that it's given you some tips in terms of how to improve your private practice website. I was thinking a little bit about just some of the pearls of wisdom that Perry shared, and I wanted to share some of those with you. So the first thing I just learned was the importance of talking to your client, to your ideal client, but creating those sub pages, right? So for example, for me, as I work with entrepreneurs, I should probably have a page on there called the fear of failure or the imposter syndrome or perfectionism or whatever. I should have individual and separate pages for each of those struggles that entrepreneurs have so that I can speak to them directly and share with them resources and to help entrepreneurs know that I can be someone that can help them on that journey. The other thing is, and I struggle with this to no other, which is that I want my private practice website to be, like, perfect. It was so refreshing to hear that Perry say that, you know, don't sweat the small stuff and that the website is truly never done. I think I just needed to hear that, and I hope that it encourages you. I've just always been a big believer that we connect with people, and if you communicate things authentically on your private practice website, the rest of the small stuff will kind of work out on its own. The truth I've also learned from Selling the Couch is that Selling the Couch literally started with two pages, actually three pages. It was a resource page, a podcast page, and then an About Me page. And that's the three pages that I had on the entire website. And it looks very different now. But part of that is I just had to put something out there. And that was so hard to put something out there. But part of the importance of putting something out there is that it gives us data For example, in terms of where folks are visiting, what type of content are folks clicking on, those kind of things, so that when we do spend the time to really start to build it out, we actually have some actual data, and then we can then use that data to shape what the future of the website will look like. Show notes to today's episode can be found at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number one zero three. Have a wonderful rest of your week and I will see you next time.
1: Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.